I'm Steph. I'm Kim. And, and this, this is Solved, Unsolved or Spooky. Hey, True Crimers. Hey, everyone. Sorry about last week not getting an episode out. We've had um, a <laughs> busy time with some family. We have been very busy. So yeah. our visitors weren't actually visiting us, but due to COVID. Because we're, we're not in a COVID zone <laughs> that we're allowed to have them. But. We're allowed to have our visitors. So yeah. we've been tied up, mm. doing lots of work. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. But. So... We'll try and smash this one out today and we'll try and smash another one out so we don't miss this yeah. week's. So yeah. we do apologise and I'm so sorry that a lot of people are in lockdown with COVID mm. and that we didn't get one out. We do apologise for that. Yeah. Getting worse again. Yeah. Hopefully all you guys that are locked down are doing okay. Mm. We are thinking about you. And hopefully, I don't know what's happening in most other countries, but hopefully yeah. COVID's doing, going away there. Yeah, I think it's pretty bad everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy times. I know. I never thought we'd be living through a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> like you do history and you learn about like the Black Plague and all this, and you're like, that's insane. How could people live How through that? How could that ever happen? Yeah. And yeah. then. Just make sure you all stay safe. I think Dex is making noise in the background. Oh, yeah. Even my dog's gone out in sympathy for anybody in lockdown. He's moaning in the background. That's Dex. He sounds so sad. Yeah, he is actually. Sounds dreadfully sad. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't annoy anyone too much. <laughs> he is actually named after the, that fake serial killer Dex. Serial killer Dex. Huh? Have you got any news? Just that I wish they would stop saying that it's going to snow and that it doesn't. <laughs> I'm desperate for snow. It feels like it's snowing. It's freezing here, absolutely mm-hmm. freezing. Not apart from that. Nothing. I think. No, yeah. we don't leave home much <laughs> because not really supposed to. Yeah, COVID. COVID. Yeah. So, so no news here. Yeah. What's your story? My story. Because you haven't told me what it is. I haven't. So I picked a story mm. that I thought was pretty cool. And then, like, did my research and I had four pages. So mm. I did a bit more research and found a different story, but I still want to do the four-page story. Okay. So I thought, I'll roll with that. I, don't, I really don't even know the outcome of my four-page story. It's I couldn't find anything, but it was cool. So we'll go with that and then we'll get into my real story, which doesn't go overly long either. Okay. So. Okay, so today's story is going to be the Black Widow Gang. So this is set in Colombia, and it's not that long ago. So we're talking 2000 to 2010. So it's quite amazing. Although, do you not realise it's actually like pretty long ago now? But it's not long ago. Like, it's like 10 years ago. 10 to 20. I was going to say, I feel like 10 to 20. But you just like don't think things like this happen in, in our world, but they do. It's quite incredible. So the Black Widow Gang are also known as the Black Widows of Colombia. Mm. So multiple women. Ah. Yes. I'm then sensing a theme here. Women fascinate me. They really do. I haven't noticed. They, <laughs> I mean, the ones that like poison and stuff. They do. Women are so industrious, as I said before. 
I don't agree with it. Don't don't get me wrong. They're terrible, <laughs> terrible people, and the things they do are just dreadful. It is fascinating. But though. they fascinate me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we've been like binge watching Criminal Minds. <laughs> oh yeah, because we don't have a TV. We only have like a a screen with a you can put a disc, a disc in. in it. <laughs> been binge watching Criminal Minds, and it's so good. That's all we have. Yeah, so many attractive men in that show. Anybody who needs to see some attractive men. I don't think that's why you're supposed to watch it. That's why I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the Black Widows, yep. So police arrested four women and one man from a no- a gang known as La, Vi- La Vida. La Vida? Sounds good. <laughs> La Vida Negra, the Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I read that the Black Widow is anyone that kills two or more of their husbands. Is that true? Have you heard that? You ever heard that? Yeah, probably. Yeah? I think that's some, something like that. And it's huge. There's so many stories where women make a living off insurance and possession of their dead partners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, like I saw something on TV once where the women would marry guys, mm. like they marry older guys or whatever, and then oh, just yeah. divorce them on the annual. They do it annually. You marry a guy, you divorce him, you take half his stuff. That sounds like a lot of work. I feel like a job would just be easier. Yeah, but you're not going to make as much money. No, true. But these guys, no, that's not good enough. They can't just marry and divorce. <laughs> they can't just divorce. they got to do some real bad stuff. Anyway, they allegedly arranged marriages with desperate men before murdering them for life insurance payouts. Hmm. The gang preyed upon poor men who had no or limited financial means. So it's no point getting divorced. <gasps> Promising to take them out of the country if they married one of the group's women. And it helped that they were older chaps who were getting to marry young teenagers. Ew. They were only charged with the murders of three men. However, it's believed they were responsible for more crimes. I bet they were. Uh, 100%. 100%. 100%. Sorry about the dog in the background. Yeah, he's noisy. Very sad. The criminal network, composed mainly of women, was led by Sandro Geraldo and Emilson Ulima Natalie Rogers. Hmm. Each member had a different role in the gang, and some focused on maintaining relationships with the men, others on murdering them. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure which role I'd want in that whole get gang thing. I don't want to be murdering. I don't want to be entertaining the men. I was going to say, I... I'm, I'm not saying I'm capable of this stuff, but I could not entertain them, so that leaves that one option. You've got to murder them. I've got to murder no, them. No, I'm thinking I might actually be like the accountant that takes the money. Oh, I didn't know that was an option. Well, someone's got to take the money. I'll do they? that job. <laughs> I might be the fraudulent accountant. <laughs> and yet more were in charge of finding lawyers and managing life insurance collections. There you go. Okay. That, that Although I'm not very good at that, but I'll try. <laughs> the total amount I'm not good at talking to people. The total amount from said insurances ranged from one hundred to eight hundred million pesos. Oh, wow. So Go lots, all out. lots of money. One of the victims was Diego Hernandez Beltran. He was a sixty year old master builder. Like how sad for this poor little chap. I mean, he is marrying. Teenager, well, that's pretty but, gross. So it deserves a little. I bit. mean, not probably not death, but I mean, just maybe jail. <laughs> maybe just some. <laughs> I, Acor- I don't know. It's pretty gross. According to investigators, Hernandez Beltran was persuaded by an acquaintance of his to buy life insurance. 
When they learned of this, the gang decided to take advantage of it and invited Diego to camp at night near a reservoir called (laughs) (laughs) Enpanol, Guatape, on September 27, 2008. Mm. There his hands and feet were tied and he was thrown into the reservoir. Oh, my God. Where he subsequently drowned. Wow. See, that's a little bit more violent. That's not very nice, is it? Yeah. Hernandez Beltran's lifeless body was found the next day. His body was claimed by an 18-year-old girl, Emilson Ulima Rojas Castano, <laughs> who had it cremated, like, immediately. Oh, my God. Yeah, because they don't tie marks. Yep. No red flags there. Mm. She claimed to have been married to him for the last two years. A few months later, Rojas claimed the life insurance payout on Hernandez worth $83,000. Or pesos, doesn't matter. At the pesos. time, she claimed that she was the sole beneficiary of his life insurance worth 150 million pesos, so it is $83,000. Oh, wow. Despite this, the family of the deceased disputed her claims, stating that Diego had never had any romantic bond with the woman. Mm. So she's just made it all up. That's pretty smart for an 18 year old, though. That's crazy. In another case, the gang allegedly attempted to murder Giora Okoa Castrillon by throwing him off a boulder into the sea near Santa Marta. So they like drowning people. That's their way to go. It's still not that, it's not messy. I was going to say, that's, they usually say women are more like they're poison, they drown, but yeah. usually not quite like that. Yeah, they're a little bit on the violent That's more, side. a little bit more violent than the usual. These women are hardcore. They're insane. Koa was rescued only to be later shot dead oh. <laughs> in the municipality of Bello. He was insured for 50,000 pesos. That's unlucky. According to police, the gang operated out of the municipalities of Medellin, Marinilla and El Pinol. They were identified as Jose Adrian Hanno Geraldo, 37, Luz Elena Carval Catano, 46, Sulema Patricia Geraldo Zatapa, Zapata, 38, Emil Yulima Rojas Castano, 21, and Olverin Hincapi Lopez, 26. So we've got a lot of Geraldos in there, so mm. a lot of, and Castanos, they're all family members, mm. so sisters and yeah. whatnot. So it's like a bit of a family business. <laughs> Lovely. Hmm. The ringleader of the gang of sisters who allegedly allegedly, mm-hmm. who allegedly groomed young women, married them off to local men, and then murdered their husbands for lucrative life insurance payouts before selling the girls into the sex trade. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? That's insane. Esmeralda Arival Flores Acosta, 39, was dubbed the Black Widow by the country's media. She reportedly oversaw the murderous racket, recruiting pretty girls in shopping malls before marrying them off to eligible local bachelors on the promise of a U.S. passport. That's insane. Crazy, hey? If the girls refused, she'd threaten violence against their families. So a lot of these girls are kind of... They felt like they had no choice. They're they're kept up in, like, shipping containers and stuff like that. Oh, my God. You've got no rights. You can't. You can do nothing. Acosta would then allegedly pressure the men to take out comprehensive life insurance before they married, before sending 
gang members to murder them weeks after the wedding took place. (laughs) Once the false insurance claim was lodged, the young women were told they would be flown to America to start their new lives. Instead, they were reportedly sent to Mexico and sold into the sex trade. Yeah. Poor women. Mm -hmm. So horrible. Acosta allegedly pocketed more than 176,000 pesos from three false life insurance claims throughout the scheme. She pretended to be a domestic worker and introduced the boys she recruited to the women to whom she told they would be American citizens and could go to live in the United States. Hmm. The men were required to acquire life insurance, then they married and lived together for two or three weeks. (laughs) Yeah, and then they were murdered, a spokesperson said. When the men were murdered, they later collected the insurance and the money was given to the gang members. So the women weren't even getting a lot of the money. Yeah. They were just going to the gang members. Acosta is accused of four crimes, including aggravated human trafficking, aggravated homicide, and aggravated fraud. She's pleaded not guilty to all charges. These are her words. (laughs) I declare myself innocent of what is attributed to me. She told reporters, like, that's some pretty good wording, isn't it? I wouldn't think to say that. I've never worked at home. <laughs> I sell vehicles and I'm a stylist. One of her sisters, Carla Jennifer Flores Acosta, 33, has also been arrested in relation to the case, along with another woman. Her younger sister, Gabriela Guadalupe Flores, aged 25, is reportedly also under investigation for allegedly poisoning her 78-year-old husband. Mm-hmm. Mm. There wasn't much more information on this, and I couldn't find out what happened in court, so maybe it's still going ahead. Yeah. So I have to keep my eye on that one and see what else comes out of it. Mm. But I just found it quite fascinating that a group of women can get together and come up with a scheme like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. So. Then we got on to the theme of black widows, <laughs> and there's so many. There is a lot. If you're going to kill one husband, they kind of think, well, why not? Let's just keep going with that. <laughs> got my new theme on. Oh, God. So this this lady is Griselda Blanco. Mm. Yeah. She's like, this lady's hardcore. <laughs> this lady's so hardcore. Like, I don't think there's any hardcore. Okay. Any more hardcore. <laughs> Okay, Griselda Blanco Restrepo, mm. known as La Madrina, the Black Widow, the Cocaine Godmother, <laughs> and the Queen of <laughs> the Queen of Narco Trafficking, oh. Godmother of Cocaine, simply the Godmother and the Queen of Cocaine. Lovely. So <laughs> she's got quite the rep because she's got Apparently. more more aliases than anything else. I mean, what a reputation. Yeah. <laughs> She, she has had many movies made about her. Oh, very, very interesting. She was born on the 15th of February, 1943, and she was a Colombian drug lord for the Medellin cartel. Hmm. And she was a pioneer in the Miami-based cocaine drug trade and underworld during the 1980s through to the early 2000s. So even when she was like in her 50s mm. and 60s, she was still kicking on with her bad behaviour. 
It's been estimated that she was responsible for up to 200 murders. Wow. While she was transporting cocaine from Columbia to New York, Miami and Southern Carolina. That's a lot. Hmm. How many years are you going to get for that? <laughs> lots and lots, I imagine. We'll see. Oh, God. At the height of... <laughs> At the height of her notoriety, Blanco was one of the richest and most dangerous women in, women in the world and one of the most powerful drug king, kingpins <laughs> in the world. She became the first ever billionaire female criminal. Billionaire. We're not talking millionaire. Well, Charles a billionaire. Ruling her multi-billion dollar drug trafficking <laughs> empire <laughs> with an iron fist oh. and becoming one of the deadliest women of all time. I mean, what a title. <laughs> what a title. Blanco was born in Cartagena, 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 on the country's north coast. She and her mother, Anna Black, moved to Medellin when she was three years old. Her mother is said to have been a very abusive woman. Mm. And her father wasn't like that. Yeah. Upon arriving there, she quickly adopted a criminal lifestyle. At three? <laughs> I mean, uh, I think she probably did. That's that sad. Age. Yeah. Blanco's former lover, Charles Cosby, recounted at the age of 11. Now, this is just really quite fascinating and interesting and horrifying at all at the same time. <laughs> all wrapped up together. Okay, so we are 11 years old. Okay. Blanco allegedly kidnapped. <laughs> you thought she stole a piece of cake. Attempted to I mean. ransom. And eventually shot a child from an upscale flatland neighbourhood near her own neighbourhood. Oh. Eleven. Okay. We had very different upbringings. Yeah. Like I would just – I think I wanted to be a fairy or a ninja and I just played in like the down the creek. And yep. There was none of these. fun when I was 11. Uh, no kidnapping for me. And I never gave you any guns either. No. No, I mean, I got a bow for my 15th. But... Yep. That's okay. <laughs> Blanco had become a pickpocket before she turned 13. But this girl did have to. I mean, that one I would have been more accepting of, but like <laughs> a shooting and kidnapping someone. <laughs> so she did this to escape the sexual assaults of her mother's boyfriends. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So I'm guessing that had a lot to do with her. Becoming such a bad person. Yeah, yeah. She ran away from home at the age of nine and resorted to looting in Medellin until the age of 20. Mm. So, yeah, she's already had to become streetwise by the yeah. age of nine. Pretty sad. I mean, that's kind of, yeah, I was going to say, I feel sad for, like, the little child her. Blanco was a major figure in the history of the drug trade in Colombia to Miami, New York, and California. In the mid-1970s, Blanco and her second husband, Alberto Bravo, illegally immigrated to the U.S. with fake passports, settling in Queens, New York. There's no information on the separation from the first husband, <laughs> but the fact he's telling tales on her indicates that he's still alive. He's alive. Which is quite fascinating. He managed to get away. How he did that, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she thought, okay, the first one got away. I'm not going to do that again. Mm. No more. They established a sizable cocaine business there. Oh, lovely. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> Family beers. And in April 1975, Blanco was indicted on federal drug conspiracy charges 
along with 30 of, of her sub- subordinates. Wow. That should be the end of the story, yeah? Well, I would think, like, that if she's doing it that extensively, that's going to be a pretty big charge. Should but be now. I'm assuming not. But she outsmarted the cops. Of course. Yeah. She fled to Colombia before she could be arrested. But she returned to the United States, settling in Miami in the late 1970s. Hmm. She started again. <laughs> Blanco's return to the U.S. from Colombia more or less coincided with the beginning of the very public violent conflicts that involved hundreds of murders and killings yearly, which uh-huh. were associated with the high crime epidemic that swept the city of Miami in the 1980s. That's sad. So basically, it was a peaceful place. Yeah. Blanco moves in. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of people, people start dying every year. She's psycho. Law enforcement's struggle to put an end to the influx of cocaine into Miami mm. led to the creation of CENTAC-26, Central Tactical Unit. Oh, okay. I was about to ask what that was. <laughs> a joint operation between Miami-Dade Police Department and the DEA Anti-Drug Operation. Mm. Blanco was involved in the drug-related violence known as the Miami Drug War or the Cocaine Cowboy Wars that plagued Miami in the late 1970s and early 1980s. This was a time when cocaine was trafficked more than marijuana. It was the lawless and corrupt atmosphere, primarily created by Blanco's operations. She's just turned the world She's crazy. On a roll that led to the gangsters being dubbed the Cocaine Cowboys and their violent way of doing business as the Miami Drug War. Mm. Her distribution networks, which spanned the United States, bought in, get this, mm-hmm. we're talking American dollars, mm-hmm. $80 million a month. Whoa, a month? Can a we, month. Can have some of that money? We're in the wrong business, love. <laughs> Man, I'd like some of that money. I'd like some of that money, but I don't want to touch drugs. Yeah, I don't want no. to touch drugs. I don't do that. Yeah. Not or kill people, for that matter. No. Hmm. A violent business style brought government scrutiny to South Florida, leading to the demise of her organization and the freewheeling, high profile Miami drug scene of those times. In 1984, Blanco's willingness to use violence against her Miami competitors or anyone else who displeased her, led her rivals to make repeated attempts to assassinate her. <laughs> Gosh. In an attempt to escape the hits that were called on her, she fled to California. What a life, though. You're just running all the time, aren't you? Mm. Blanco's first husband was Carlos Trujillo. Together they had three sons, Dixon, Uber, and Osvaldo. All of them poorly educated. Why would they do that to them when they're so rich? Hmm. And all of them were killed in Colombia after being deported following prison sentences in the United States. Her second husband was Alberto Bravo. In 1975, Blanco confronted Bravo, who was also her business partner, 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 (laughs) in a Bogota, 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 <laughs> in Bogota nightclub, in a Bogota nightclub parking lot, regarding millions of dollars missing from the profits of the cartel that they had built together. 
So she's a billionaire mm. and she's she's perturbed by a few million going missing. I mean, like, she you need money. every last dollar. <laughs> Blanco then, 32, pulled out a pistol. Oh. Was she cranky about her couple of mil going missing? Mm. Bravo responded by producing an Uzi submag- <laughs> submachine gun. Oh, I thought you were going to say submarine. That was a lot. Yeah, one of them too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and after a blatant, now this is just ridiculous. This is just can't even be real. After a blazing gun battle, he and six of his bodyguards lay dead. Oh my god! She's got a pistol. He's got she must mass- be a good shot. <laughs> Oh, dear. I don't know how many rounds you have in a pistol, but she took out seven of them, mm. so she must be a good shot. Wow. She must, she's been practising. She'd be either that or she had help. It's just like, yeah. That's insane. <laughs> what do these people have? They just all have so many guns. Blanco, who suffered only a minor gunshot wound to the stomach, recovered and soon afterwards moved to Miami, where her body count and reputation for ruthlessness continued to climb. Blanco and her youngest son, Michael, with her third husband, mm. Dario Sepulveda. Sepulveda left her in 1983, returned to Colombia, and kidnapped Michael. Oh. How do you reckon that's going to work out for him? Yeah, no. I just wouldn't cross her. No. I think. I mean, the kid might have been better off with him, but. I don't think she'll see it that way. Maybe just try and get some visiting rights, possibly. <laughs> When he and Blanco disagreed over who would take custody, they stole a kid, Blanco paid to have Sepulveda assassinated in Colombia and her son returned to her in Miami. Hmm. What was he thinking? Yeah. So that's two dead husbands. According to the Miami News Times, Michael's father and older siblings were all killed before he reached adulthood. Oh, God. His mum was in prison for most of his childhood and teenage years and he was raised by his maternal grandmother and legal legal guardians. In 2012, Michael was put under house arrest after a May arrest on two felony counts of cocaine trafficking and conspiracy to traffic in cocaine. So he's taken over the family. He's doing the fan business? Yep. He appeared on a 2018 episode of the Investigation Discovery documentary series, Evil Lives Here, to recount his lonely childhood. In 2019, he was featured in the VH1 docuseries Cartel Crew, which follows the descendants of drug lords. He also runs a clothing brand, Puro Blanco, Mm. that refers to his infamous mother. You shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to profit. Yeah. From that crap. Definitely, I would have named it something else. Mm. According to her youngest son, Michael, Blanco became a born again Christian. Okay, now regarding her arrest, mm-hmm. which, you know, really didn't matter. On February 18, 1985, she was arrested by cops in her home and held with full bail. After they sent her to prison, she tried to escape. I'm surprised she didn't manage to escape, though. Mm. She could have paid anyone to do anything. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they were good ones, I guess. I don't know. Don't know. I'm surprised she didn't have them killed. Blanco was sentenced to more than a decade in jail. While in prison, she continued to effectively run her cocaine business, 
with the help of her son, Michael. I don't know how good the cops were. Like, obviously, if anyone was going to help her run the business, who was it going to be? Oh, that's funny. By pressuring one of Blanco's lieutenants, the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office obtained sufficient evidence to indict Blanco for three murders. However, the case collapsed due to technicality. (laughs) Mum just broke. I'm broken. Due to technicalities relating to a phone sex scandal between the star witness and female secretaries in the district attorney's office. What? Sounds like a hectic place to be. What? Mm. In 2002, Blanco suffered a heart attack while imprisoned. In, In 2004, Blanco was released from prison and deported to Medellin, Colombia. So... She weren't in jail very long. No. No. I mean, not for killing for that many people, people and, and d- distributing drugs everywhere. Yeah. I feel like she should have got longer. She was released, blah, blah, before her death on September 3, 2012. The last sighting of Blanco was in May 2007 at the Bogota airport. How did she die, Kimberly? Got any ideas? <laughs> How? How very interesting. I kind of think a little bit of karma. Oh, okay. Come on. the night of September 3, 2012, Blanco died after being shot twice. Oh. Once in the head and once in the shoulder by a motorcyclist in Medellin, Colombia. She was shot at Cardisco, Cardiso Butcher Shop oh. on the corner of 29th Street after having bought $150 worth of meat. Wow. She's gone home for a family barbecue. I was going to say, that's a decent amount of meat. It's a decent amount of meat. That's a lot of meat to carry, too. That's a lot of kilos of meat. Does it say why she was shot? Oh, no, it doesn't actually say why, but I think I know why. I mean, I can understand why, but yeah, I'm just like, is it all random? Like, you know, how you get some people who I randomly drive by. I think it's just a bit, by, bit or... payback from other cartels. Like, yeah. The middle-aged gunman climbed off the back of a motorbike outside the shop the bike was being ridden by another man and he entered, pulled out a gun and shot Blanco twice before calmly walking back to his bike <laughs> and disappeared into the city. She was 69 years old. Oh. Like, what a coward. Mm. He got this, like, crazy, crazy chick. Crazy. Mm. He's done all this crazy stuff and this coward just gets off a bike, shoots her and gets back on his bike and goes. At 69 years old. She's been featured in several documentaries and films. She features prominently in the documentary films Cocaine Cowboys 2006 and Cocaine Cowboys 2 Hustlin' with the Godmother. Catherine Zeta-Jones portrayed Blanco in Cocaine Godmother, a Mm. television biopic which premiered in 2018 on Lifetime. She's an actress. mm, Yeah, she's pretty too. As of 2020... There are plans for producing a film titled The Godmother starring Jennifer Lopez in as Blanco. And I think that is the end of my story. Okay. Yeah. So uh, how interesting was that? That was crazy. Crazy mm. ladies. <laughs> crazy ladies. I wouldn't get on their side. But power, hey. Mm. Mm. Blink at her wrong and shoot you or yeah. drown you or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you chosen what you're going to be doing next? Um, 
I don't know. I haven't exactly decided. I've got like a couple of ideas, but it just depends how much I want to freak myself out. Yeah. Because I am good at doing that. That's okay. We need a good freak now. I was, I went for a walk like a couple of weeks ago and I always get this weird feeling over one side. And of course I was looking at a TikTok and it's about like the, I guess Australian mythical creatures. The Yeti. No. Well, uh, no. What are you on about? The Yowie. Uh, it came up as like there's this creature in Billabongs. Oh. Um, and I'm like, cool. I'm good. We've got dams. The river's a long way away. We don't got any Billabongs around. What is a Billabong? Like it's like a body of water, but a certain thing. I don't know how to explain it. But they're not dams. Okay. I don't know. I just. Got that song in my head now. Um, <laughs> and then there was another one, but I think it was like exclusively like in the desert. I'm like, cool, not near the, the desert. desert. Might look like the desert, but it's not. <laughs> then I get to the third one, and it's like bushland and like the scrub. And I'm like, oh god, it's a yowie. And I'm like, hearing all these cracker noises in the bush. I'm like, I'm gonna die. A yowie's gonna come eat me. It's gonna happen. But you know, it doesn't help when we were little going where was it kangaroo valley through all the forest and then you put that and put the sunroof down and go the yowies are coming again <laughs> and then of course you see a car on the side of the road abandoned and he's like the yowies got them <laughs> and you'd be like freaking out so now i'm just paranoid and rightly so. And now I'm going to do spooky stories and I'm going to make myself really scared. You'll have a look, have to have a look, see if there's some yowie stories. Yeah. Because I have heard some, what are the Billy Bong ones called? I've heard stories on them. I know, I was, I literally was looking at it the other week. I can't remember. There's yowies, there's, oh, what are, bunyips. Bunyips. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we've got none of that happening here cause... well they reckon that the yowie is kind of the equivalent to the american um Sasquatch. bigfoot big yeah yep. so yeah like it's an ape like humanoid mm, creature. creature let's be honest and the, humans, I, the pictures i up. saw that people are drawn and stuff and they're like ripping kangaroos apart and i'm like kangaroos are big like i i'm little <laughs> Yeah, I'd never be near <laughs> Like, please that. don't come near me. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. Yep. Well, hopefully we'll be hearing a bit more about that <laughs> soon. Very soon, actually. Yeah. So we've got to get our act together again. Yes, I we need to some more free time. Work on my story. Mm. I'll edit this tonight and then hopefully put it up tomorrow. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. Yep. <laughs> get to work, young lady. I will. Okay. Well, thank you once again, guys. We really appreciate anyone who listens. Yep, very, very much. We're so grateful and we love you guys. Yep. And hope you guys are all doing really well. And anyone who's in stupid COVID lockdown, we are sorry for you. Yeah. And hopefully things will get better soon. Hopefully. And we'll see everyone we will. soon. All right. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can follow us at Facebook at solved unsolved or spooky on twitter at hashtag or solved instagram at solved unsolved or spooky you can email us at podcast at solved unsolved or spooky.com 
And if you want to support the show, go to Podfan and find Solved, Unsolved or Spooky and pick one of the tiers. Thank you. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Mm-hmm.